millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and we're coming at you with a review of Robin Wright's directorial debut, Land, plus all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And this week, we're reviewing a film called Land. Land is set in the aftermath of an unfathomable event where character Edie finds herself unable to stay connected to the world she once knew and retreats to the magnificent but unforgiving wild of the Rockies. After a local hunter brings her back from the brink of death, she must find out if she can survive both mentally and physically. As I mentioned in the opening, this is directed by Robin Wright. It's her directorial Mm. debut, which is really exciting and surprising that it's taken this long in her career that she's decided to put the director's hat on. That is true. But happy to see you there. Uh, It's also written by Jesse Chatham and Erin Dingham. Now, as you mentioned, the movie stars Robin Wright, Demian Bashir, and Sarah Dawn Pledge. A very small cast there. Very small cast, but it works in that way. And mm. just to call out, Demian Bashir, you interviewed him recently. I did. And uh, you mentioned how busy he was, how many projects and films that are being released that feature him right now. And this is this is one of them. It's great to see him in so much content at the moment. So let's jump into the story of Land. It's a story about surviving through unimaginable grief and how different people carry it differently. Mm, Absolutely. It showcases what does grief look like Mm. and how does it manifest itself, right? We don't know what happened to 
her husband and son until right at the end of the film. There's that's the unfathomable event, that tragedy. You're kind of learning along the way that they must have passed away, but you don't know how or why or the mm. reason. You just have to like feel her pain, and it's yeah. a deep, deep pain, isn't it? Oh, definitely. It's a concept I find fascinating, though, going off the grid, living in nature and just being self-sufficient. I mean, ideally, you'd love to do it, wouldn't you? I love the idea. Yeah. I am such a city slicker. I am. I'm such a city boy. But there is something about getting out of the city and the air is cleaner. And I can imagine how clean and fresh uh, the air that Robin Wright's mm. character finds herself in. But what really fascinated me, certainly at the beginning of the film and throughout when she was up against so much, mm. was what drove her to this decision. She really was completely out of her depth, but she was so determined to be there and isolate herself from the world and even her own identity. She just mm. was completely disconnected from anything that you can relate to as a human being. Mm. She was fairly prepared though, wasn't she? She went into the wild thinking that she knew what she was doing. She's a very smart, very um, self-sufficient woman, but it goes to show that you can never be fully prepared when it comes to nature. Yeah, she was Prepared but not experienced, I think. Yeah. Uh, And even the simple thing of leaving the door of the cabin open, you know, if I leave my apartment door open, maybe a minor bird might come in but Mm. not a bear to, like, tear shit up. Yeah, like there's a lot of uh, curveballs being thrown at her here, isn't there? Definitely a lot of curveballs. But I did understand very clearly that her decision was made. Mm. You know, just that, that gesture that she made at the beginning of the film where she threw her phone in the bin. She yeah. did not think twice about that. And I'm like, oh, my God, my phone is my life. Like, <laughs> there's quite a lot that you can relate to mm. and try, like, what is she doing? How would you do that? Yeah. But, again, it was just her completely disconnecting uh, from the world and no one was going to stop her doing it. Yeah, and there's a line that really encapsulates that in the film where she says, I want to notice more. That was her motivation for going out there or part of her motivation for going out there. And that line really spoke to me in the age that we live in that's full of technology and living on your phone, as you said, you can't live without your phone. That just really, really resonated with me. It's a very profound line. Another, There were another couple of lines that I'd like to unpack with you here that I noted down. She asked herself, why am I here anymore? Oh, Mm. like such a heavy line. Mm. It's a question that so many people ask themselves. And my heart goes out to all those struggling with mental health issues because she was certainly she yeah. was certainly one. There's another line where a therapist tells her to share in your pain, mm. uh, which again is a really profound line that this film delivered. But not everyone can do that. And that's a really pivotal yes. thing about this film is that it's one woman's journey and mm. grief and healing and dealing with that doesn't look the same for everyone. Exactly. It's like you should know that you are never alone. Mm. However, it's that individual realising that and being open to let people in and share in your mm. pain that this film beautifully explores, I think. I think the film was more effective in silence, though. Mm. Let's talk about the dialogue for a second. Yeah. Did you enjoy the dialogue? It felt a little forced to me. Well, I mean, she doesn't really interact with many people, but when she does, it was quite minimal. Mm. But I think that she just, like, dialogue wasn't really important in this film. Right. Do, you, do you? like? I don't know. I just mm. felt like you got enough out of her 
physical experience and her pushing herself mm. physically to realize a lifestyle that she so desired and wanted and felt like she needed that was so different mm. that anyone else could really relate to. What did you think about the dialogue then? As I said, I felt like it was a little bit forced when it mm. was there. I don't think it was necessarily needed, as mm. you said, like it worked really well as a character study in her by herself, just giving a tour to force performance, yeah. definitely. But yeah, in terms of dialogue in the story, there's one more thing I just want to call out. There's a third act twist, which we won't reveal, Mm -hmm. that I don't think was needed. How do you feel about that? Too sentimental, maybe? A little bit. I mean, it's a real shame that in this day and age with people's short attention spans that creatives feel they need a surprise twist or to layer on another thing to keep people's attention or play with their emotions. Mm. But this was a beautiful story in and of itself. And if you think of a movie that we reviewed recently like Supernova, yeah, that's just a couple dealing with the unimaginable going through grief. And this is a woman dealing with the unimaginable and going through grief. And that would have been enough, I yeah. think. But they seem to have needed a catalyst to get her to her final point rather than just us experience this journey. Yeah, no, that's a Does really, that make sense? Uh, no, I totally agree. And I'm trying to um, respond without mm. revealing anything. But maybe to extend on your point is that maybe this third act thing that took place mm. was distracting to her story. And, yes. I, and I don't think that was fair yeah. uh, to her journey and what the audience was ultimately feeling throughout the whole movie and then it kind of like shifts focus. We need to talk about that actually and I kind of hate myself for this. I did mention this to you when we came out of the cinema that yep. she needed – You know, Demian Bashir's character is beautiful. He's Mm. this kind man who helps her through her journey, teaches her how to hunt and survive. Mm. And I was a little disappointed that she needed a man to come and help her. I mean, she she quite clearly did because she wasn't experienced in this world. She needed someone to show her how to survive, definitely. But I became a little bit disappointed that her healing became reliant on a man. Yeah, it's a very valid point I mean, there's takeaway from the film. There's no romance. So it's not like she was found through the love of a man. So yeah. I mean, I just, I do hate that my mind went to that place because it is such a beautiful story and he was a very important part of her story. But I just, oh, really, did you need that? Yeah. And probably not. I mean, what would have it changed if it was a, another woman that helped her? Well, exactly. Yeah. So I think it would have, it would have packed as much a punch if the roles had been swapped in that way. But it's like an expectation. It's just how things are written, which isn't an excuse. It's just something to be conscious of. I guess at its core it was a very simple story that followed usual sort of formula. And one of the formulas that they mixed into this script happened to be a man coming to her rescue in some way, shape or form. Yeah, see, and I hate that. I hate that I – it doesn't take anything away from it. I don't want to put people off it, Mm. but I just kind of wish that it hadn't happened exactly that way. It's important to call out. Yeah. I I totally agree. Can we talk about the pace? Yeah. Just quickly, like I liked the pace. I don't Mm. really have any issues with it. And I was quite settled in the story and how it played out. It had a good run time. I think it was about 90 minutes. So mm. it wasn't too laborious because those things can just get like that mm. if you're trying to tell this story. And it felt like her experience was understood clearly and executed well uh, from a narrative perspective. How did you feel? Yeah, it's a gentle story, as we mm. said before, which means that it moves at this languid sort of pace, which is not for everyone. Mm. 
but it is a beautiful story if you can stick it out. I thought it was unbalanced. Mm. I'm going to say it was very heavy up front and then dragged towards the back half. Even that third act twist just dragged a little bit for me. Robin Wright is definitely doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's her movie for sure. Yeah. I think one of the most important elements of how the pacing impacted the story was certainly the cinematography. Can we talk oh, can we yes. talk about this? As you'd expect. Yes, such incredible work. It showcased the unbelievable harshness of the environment that she found mm. herself in. She was out there for, you know, quite a long time and I really loved seeing the change in the seasons. Yes, I'm glad you point that out because yeah. it's beautifully shot through every season yes. which is not easy to do no not easy to do and you're thinking wow what a task that would have been for the director of photography and their crew you know the, the whole seasons thing like we don't really get that in australia we're certainly not in sydney we don't have like very clear four mm. seasons we don't get the snow and the yeah. or the, the blizzards and then the 40 degree days well, we get 40 degrees but we don't mm. have that massive um dichotomy mm. so i'm always really entranced by the representation of seasons in films and the colors that come with it i just always love that i mean yeah you'd expect that the landscape is definitely mm. the shining star of this of this film it's absolutely stunning and as we mentioned the dialogue is minimal which means that the cinematography really needs to carry it. The performances really need to carry it. Mm. And even the set changes over time. So in the beginning, she's just simply utilising the space and existing, basically. And then over time, she makes it homely and it becomes more about her and she starts to find herself again. And I found that really beautiful as well. Yeah, the set design, production design, it really showed her changing character and her experience mentally. And physically, didn't it? It was just a beautiful marriage of different uh, creative disciplines that this film demonstrated. And there's a big task at hand for Robin in realising that vision because a lot of this film takes place in one location Mm. uh, and the challenges that come with that and having to show the differences and the changing in in the story and the character, you know, is really vital. So Mm. I I think they got that really right. Yeah. And they do that so well with the cinematography and with the set design and also with the music. So Mm. the sound design is really well done. So it's very loud and in your face in the beginning because the world to her is jarring and foreign, you know, and then it becomes calm and complex as she settles into and appreciates the nature around her, which is really lovely. So, yeah, the music evolves as her mindset does. Oh, I hadn't actually thought of that. But on reflection, yeah, it's it's so true. Let's talk about the performances. Yes, please. If you are ready. I am ready. Robin Wright, brilliant. Oh, amazing. So raw and emotional. She delivers a moving performance and you would expect no less, though, from her. She's fantastic. She just does a lot without much. You know, we talked about the dialogue Mm. and there's not a great deal of it, especially... You know, there's no inner monologue. There's no narration here. But she can convey so much in just her face. She's a very, very talented actress in that way. way. And did you know she wasn't originally meant to star in this film? Was she always meant to direct but not star? Yeah. Yeah. So for one reason or another, the actresses that she wanted couldn't Mm. do it. And I, I just really admire an actor who also directs. You know, some people might say it's narcissistic or self-serving but it would be extremely difficult to do well jumping between these hats and mindsets and not being able to see how it looks 
yeah. as you act. So you've got to, you know, you can't give yourself feedback in real time. You've got to go back and you've got to look at it. It would take longer, I guess, and it's just... Yeah, I wonder what her process was mm. in that sense, not being able to see. But I guess as she's such a veteran actor. She's been performing for decades. So maybe she has enough trust in herself in being able to deliver her vision mm. without having to see it play out. Like she knows her body and she knows the character intimately. But, yeah, it's a very good point. And Bashir and Wright give very different but no less powerful mm. performances, don't yeah. they? Demian presented an incredible humanity and gentleness Mm. and you throw in compassion and understanding and you have a really beautiful character that he brought to screen Mm. and, yeah, incredibly different to what Robin was delivering. But, yeah, he showed her kindness Mm. Um, and how powerful is that? Definitely. And, look, I want to point out that I enjoyed the friendship that develops Mm. between them. I feel like I ripped it to shreds before. Uh, But, I mean... I just don't love the concept that a man brought her back to life and she needed him to survive, so to speak. But, I mean, it's billed as being about healing and the power of kindness. But I identified and loved the symmetry of the literal and figurative struggle for survival Mm. that she was going through and exploring that through adversity. It can be, you know, healing can be personal and very different to everyone and, and this film, I think, displayed that really well. And what it demands of you or requests of you is to mm. have empathy. Yes. About her situation. Yeah. And, yeah, just be there to support her through your passive viewing. Mm. Yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> support her through your passive viewing. Oh, might bottle that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we wrap up land? Let's do that. So I found land to be a beautiful demonstration of how grief can detrimentally impact how you see the world and you in it. Against the backdrop of both a life-giving and life-threatening landscape, it highlights what healing can look like and how challenging it can be to find peace and purpose once again. Robin Wright delivers a brilliant performance with the exceptional support of Demian Bashir by her side. So I'm going to give Land three and a half popcorn kernels. Very well said, Tim. Well, Land moves at a languid pace, as we said, and that's not going to be for everyone, but it's a simple story of healing and survival that's beautifully shot and tremendously acted. A really solid directorial debut from Robin Wright, who has a keen eye for how a story like this should unfold and, more specifically, how it should look and feel to really bring you into the journey. Yeah. I'm going to give Land three and a half popcorn kernels too. We are on the same page. Mm-hmm. I love when that happens. Land is in Australian cinemas now, so make sure you check it out. So, Tim, before we jump into news, I'd just like to tell you a bit about another movie I saw this week that's worth checking out. It's Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man. Now, would you call this Wrath or Wrath? Like, <laughs> I really struggled with how to pronounce it. Oh, Wrath? Why would it be wrath? Wrath is actually right, I think, but wrath is very American. But I it can't just sounds imagine, right. I can't imagine saying wrath of the Titans. Like it just does, it'd be <laughs> wrath of the Titans. It's got more of a bite to it, but very good question. <laughs> All right. So Wrath of Man is about a cold and mysterious character who works at a cash truck company, but is more than he appears to be. It's directed by Guy Ritchie from a screenplay by... Guy Ritchie, Marn Davis and Ivan Atkinson. It stars Jason Statham, Holt McCallany, Andy Garcia, Josh Hartnett, 
I haven't seen him in a film in a mm. long time. And Scott Eastwood. Now, this is a Guy Ritchie special. When I say Guy Ritchie special, I mean nobody does the gentleman gangster subgenre quite like Mr. Ritchie. He has the brand on this particular style of lads who talk like scholars <laughs> while doing despicable things, but somehow still have a moral code. I never thought I would hear the phrase lads who speak like scholars. <laughs> Anyway. But it's so true though, isn't it? That's yeah. very Guy Ritchie. So, so true. Yeah. Anyway, this is a typical Guy Ritchie film, basically. I would say not one of his best. Yeah, I was going to ask how does it stack up within yeah. his own subgenre of gangster flicks. I mean, it, it's good in the sense that Ritchie has this style of playing with focus mm-hmm. in his shots. So, something important is going on in the background while the action is playing out right in front of you. You know how he does that? You just, you're like, oh, wait a minute. There was something happening in the background there. Like someone's getting the crap beaten out of them while someone's giving a big monologue or yeah. something like that. I really enjoy things like that. It's got his humour in the script. Yeah. Definitely that really laddish humour, which is not for everyone. Okay. So typically, I'm going to call this out. Mm-hmm. There are no women of note in the film who serve more than a passing purpose. Now, how do you interpret that? Obviously, we should have representation in cinema. You know, people of colour, gender Mm. representation, all walks of life. How do you think that plays in the context of a Guy Ritchie film? Well, I can't believe I'm going to say this because it feels very anti-feminist of me, but I do think there is a place for these kinds of movies, Mm. this mindless entertainment that targets a specific demographic. Mm. You know, this might not be for all women. Sure. But that doesn't mean it has to be. Why does every film have to appeal to every single person and every single demographic every time? Yeah. And I guess Guy Ritchie clearly plays to his strengths. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Right. right. This is his thing. He writes for male characters. You think that maybe he doesn't know how to write women properly? Well, I mean, if he can't, then I don't want him to. Do you know what I mean? Because then he will miss misrepresent actually what a woman might say or do or react to a situation. Yeah. Well, this film definitely doesn't pass the Bechdel test. You know, the no, what's the, that? The Bechdel test is the representation test. So, oh, yes. whether a work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. Now, this film does feature two women who have maybe two or three lines each. <laughs> Gold. <laughs> yeah, and they don't definitely don't talk to each other. The movie moves along at a good pace and there's some edge-of-your-seat gun-blazing sequences, which are really fun. There's a particularly impressive shootout in the third act. It's not one of Guy Ritchie's best, though. The story jumps around a bit and it doesn't quite have that complexity and storytelling flair like something like The Gentleman, mm-hmm. maybe, one of which I think was one of his really good films. Yeah, Return to Form. And as I said, there's a place for these films. So I'm going to give Wrath of Man two and a half popcorn kernels. Well, there we go. Guys, if you are keen to sink your teeth into another Guy Ritchie flick, Wrath of Man is in cinemas now. All right, news time, Tim. Take us away. All right, so Adam Wingard reportedly is in talks to make another Monsterverse movie with the rumoured title Son of Kong. Okay, so just to explain, Monsterverse is the Godzilla Kong franchise. Mm. We recently had Godzilla vs. Kong. Our review's out. We have interviews with the cast. And, and Adam Wingard. And Adam Wingard, that's correct. Um, son of Kong. <laughs> okay. <We're>... <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> when there's no there's no Mama Kong. We've never oh. seen a Mama Kong. So how's there a son of Kong? Is he like a lizard that he can... Oh my God, what? Lay, <laughs> he can lay eggs without needing... <laughs> 
Okay, gorillas lay eggs. <laughs> you know, in Jurassic Park, when they procreate, but there's, but they're both. They're all female. Yeah, that's true. But, but no way, <laughs> King Kong's a male. <laughs> okay, so we're clearly confused. Not sure how this might weave into the continuity of the franchise mm. to date. But I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, built on this franchise more. Yeah. Godzilla vs Kong is very successful financially, mm. uh, critically not so much. But you know, it wasn't there to please critics. To but be again. There is a place for these movies. Yes. It doesn't always have to appeal to everyone. Exactly. But something that also may or may not appeal to people is when Americans remake foreign language films. So Leonardo DiCaprio uh, is producing and possibly starring in a film called Another Round, which is which is the remake. So mm. Leo will take the lead role played in the original by Mads Mikkelsen, Another round won the Best International Feature Oscar uh, on Sunday night recently, having triumphed in the same category at the BAFTAs two weeks before. How do you feel about this? This grinds my gears just a little bit. You know how I feel about remakes. Yes. I'm not generally a huge fan, but they can be done well. And case in point is the Australian film Rams, yes. where they completely changed the landscape, which completely changed the story. Yeah, because the original was in set in Iceland. Yes, and it wasn't as well known as Another Round is, it's a bloody Oscar winner, for God's mm. sake. Yeah. It's got Mads Mikkelsen who translates internationally. You know, yeah. he's not some unknown. Yeah. Why do you need to remake a film that did very well internationally? And give the worldwide audience an opportunity to see that film and appreciate that film mm. and talk about it, not just to come off the back of the success of an international film and say, oh, we're going to remake it and we're going to throw Leo in there. And this was a very personal story for the director. Like yes. It came from a really, really personal place and I just – it cheapens it a little bit, I mm. think. I have read a few quotes which I, I haven't written down to, to share, but he doesn't seem too upset about it. He's actually – interested to see what they do with the story, which I find really interesting. Well, I hope they get him involved in some way then. Surely. Like, even as a scriptwriter, mm. he'll get a story credit nonetheless. Speaking of Oscars, we got the first teaser from Steven Spielberg's West Side Story released during the Oscars. Mm. The movie stars Ansel Elgort, Rachel Ziegler and Ariana DeBose, and it's an adaptation of the 1957 musical, which is incredibly popular. Um, which explores the forbidden love and the rivalry between the Jets and the Sharks, you know, two teenage street gangs of different ethnic backgrounds. I think this is sort of spun from Romeo and Juliet, isn't it? Like the yes. two households, yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. I have a confession to make. Mm. I've not seen West Side Story, the 1957 No, I don't original. think I have either, to be honest. Ooh, well, that's a task for Popcorn Podcast. Mm. Before Spielberg's version comes out, gee, this was a sharp trailer. Oh, yeah. It looked so fucking good. It would want to be. And this is this like the first movie Steven Spielberg has directed in how long? I think the last film he directed was Player One. Ready Player One. Ready Player One, yeah, oh, yeah. which was a bit of a disaster. Mm. But it's the first musical he's ever directed. He's always <sighs> wanted to direct a musical Spielberg. And he had a small taste in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where he opened up the film with that musical number, Anything oh, yeah. Goes. <laughs> so he just has this love affair with musicals and it just is so beautifully, this story, this West Side Story, this classic 57 film that he's taking his mantle and that yeah. responsibility and you couldn't entrust that with anyone else but Spielberg. No, and he's gotten to a point in his career where he is, you know, the leader in the field at what mm. he does. So 
it stands to reason that he would want to stretch his skills further and move on to something else. Yeah, and it's clear, based on this trailer, that he can still shoot a movie. Fuck yes, me. It yeah. just looks so beautiful, that aesthetic of the 50s. Mm-hmm. Oof, love it. Now, also this week, Disney and Sony Pictures Entertainment announced a landmark deal that will see Spider-Man and other Marvel properties stream on Disney Plus from 2022 until 2026. Not only encompassing their extensive theatrical slate, it will also see Sony content run across Disney's immense media empire, including FX, Hulu and ABC, among others. Now, is this in lieu of theatres or direct from theatres? It's kind of within uh, an agreed release window. So it'll be released in cinemas and then the Disney media empire will pick up all those Sony titles to run across Mm -hmm. their, um, you know, media empire. But at the moment the release window or the theatrical window is is shortened at the moment with at a lot moment. of studios. Do you think yeah. that'll expand again? Yeah, I think – I can't quote exactly, but the whole Warner Brothers HBO Max deal is mm. very unique to 2021. Yeah. It will change in 2022 to extend that release mm. window because right now they're doing – it's, you know, day and dated when it's released in cinemas, it yeah. streams on HBO Max, but next year they'll be I was probably back to 90 days or something, the three months mm. usual – usual situation. I kind of hope so because you really need to give these films and the industry in general a chance to bounce back. Oh, absolutely. And look, there's some really good stories out there. The success of Mortal Kombat, Godzilla vs. Kong, mm. you know, Hollywood is is slowly bouncing back. We got the first teaser trailer for The Tomorrow War. It stars Chris Pratt, Yvonne Strahovski, Romeo Command, J.K. Simmons, love him, mm. uh, Edwin Hodge and Sam Richardson. So the film's about a world that is stunned when a group of time travellers arrive from the year 2051, which is really isn't that far away. <laughs> this stuff freaks me out. Uh, to deliver an urgent message. 30 years in the future, mankind is losing a global war against a deadly alien species. Feels very Terminator-like, doesn't it? It really does. Coming back to say Skynet is destroying the world. Mm. So the only hope for survival is for soldiers and civilians from the present to be transported to the future and join the fight. Determined to save the world for his young daughter, high school teacher Dan is recruited and teams up with a brilliant scientist, paid by Strovsky, and he teams up with his estranged father, played by J.K. Simmons, in a desperate quest to rewrite the fate of the planet. Now, he's talk- a high school teacher. Yeah, but it's Chris Pratt. <laughs> Talking about time travel, if everyone from the present travels to the future, then how do they make the children that are going to populate the future? Do you know what really hurts my head? <laughs> time travel. <laughs> time travel movies. <laughs> Answer me this. Riddle me this, Tim. I'm still recovering from Tenet. <laughs> God, no idea what happened there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I never had a high school teacher look like bloody Chris Pratt. Did you? Damn, no. I'm going back to school if they're there now. <laughs> oh, dear. The trailer is pretty action packed. Like, yeah. Looks good. Little tease, as it was teaser trailer. Yeah, so doesn't give lo- too much away. Which is good. That's what we love here mm-hmm. at Popcorn Podcast. <laughs> a tease, guys, yeah. a tease. So this one is expected in Australian cinemas quite soon, July at this stage. Yes, yes, early July at this stage. So we will keep you updated. Mm-hmm. And that is it for another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. We reviewed Robin Wright's directorial debut, Land, and Lee gave us a little taste of Guy Ritchie's latest gangster flick, the Wrath, Wrath of Man. 
And they're both in cinemas now, so make sure you check them out. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We have a website, popcornpodcast.com. Make sure you check it out. We've got all our episodes up there for you. If you'd like to get to know us a little better, there's an About Us section and we run ticket giveaways. So keep an eye on the website for more information. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.